Hello, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the November 2nd edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, where we proudly provide services to local government and nonprofit organizations. Throughout this election season, we have brought in candidates for many of the offices on your ballots. You can find those episodes on my website, JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com, where there is a Local Matters tab. Or if you are on Facebook, please go to and follow the Local Matters Podcast of Georgia Facebook page. Once there, you can listen to the audio and you can share those episodes with others. And of course, for those of you who are familiar with podcasts, uh, you can go to Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify to find any episode of Local Matters. Today is the last episode before Election Day. If you have not voted already, please make your plan to vote. That plan should include the following. First, check the My Voter page system at the Georgia Secretary of State's website. You can confirm where you vote, which districts you live in for all offices on your ballot, and you can view a sample ballot to see which candidates you will have to choose from during this election. And of course, you can also get that information from the white card. If you received it in the mail and you kept it, you know where it is. You can check those, that card as well to give you that information. Please realize that early voting will end on this Friday, November 4th. The polls will not be open this weekend. So after this Friday, you only have one day left, and that is Tuesday, November 8th. Next, decide when you're going to vote and who you plan to vote for in advance, if at all possible. I know everybody's busy and short on time, but please try to give this at least as much thought as you do when you're planning uh, a family trip or you're thinking about what restaurants you want to eat at this, this today or this evening. Um, I know in my case, I like to vote on election day. So I'm planning to vote on the morning of Tuesday, November 8th at the Eastview Community Center. I also plan to review the sample ballot in advance and do a little research on those candidates, especially the ones that have not been on our program. Um, if you need to go back and uh, get familiar with some of these folks, you missed an episode of Local Matters, um, you can go to either my website or the Facebook page and listen to those episodes that you've missed so that you can learn something about those folks who are going to be on your ballot. Also, as you may recall, there was a candidate forum by an organization called Partnership for the People 
And um, that candidate forum included uh, uh, candidates for the offices of tax commissioner and school board races. Uh, that forum, the video is still on the Local Matters Facebook page. So you can go there and listen to that. Uh, as well, um, so that you can get a feel for who these people are who are seeking your support. Um, also, on a statewide level, there have been uh, numerous debates. Uh, please uh, just search online to find one of those debates um, so you can get a feel for what these various candidates stand for and make it your goal to learn a little something about everybody who is going to be on your ballot. Finally, if you need a ride to the polls, please call the Greater Augustus Interfaith Coalition at 706-707-9500. They are providing free transportation to the polls to anyone in Richmond County, Burke, Jenkins, Jefferson, Hancock, and McDuffie counties. Again, that phone number to call to reserve a ride to the polls is 706 707-9500. Today, we have two candidates for statewide office. They are Alicia Thomas Searcy, a Democrat who is running for state school superintendent, and Ted Metz, a Libertarian who is running for Secretary of State. You will note that there is a Libertarian candidate in all but two of the statewide races. So there will be three choices on your ballot for the majority of the statewide offices that you see. Local Matters family, we are fortunate enough to have Ms. Alicia Thomas Searcy with us again. You may recall that she joined us when she was uh, running in the primary for the Office of State School Superintendent. Uh, she emerged through that process as uh, the victor on the Democratic side, and now she's getting ready for November 8th. How are you doing today? I am absolutely wonderful and very happy to be back with you again and to say thank you uh, to your listeners and to your family, uh, those of you who showed up and showed out and voted for me in May. Um, we won our primary in a four-way race with no runoff and won all 159 counties. So how could I be anything but excited and grateful? Wow, that is uh, very remarkable to think that you could win every county in Georgia because the counties are so diverse yes. um, that you would think that would be next to impossible to do. So congratulations on that. Thank you very um, much. The first thing I would like you to do is refresh the memory of everybody about exactly what the state school superintendent's office does. You know, on the local level, we've got superintendents and everybody kind of generally understands that they run those um, counties or local school districts. At the state level, what does a state school superintendent uh, really do? What are those functions? So first, the state school superintendent, of course, is a constitutional office elected statewide. So we got to do that again, y'all. Um, and she will be responsible for leading the Department of Education uh, and it's close to 300 employees, um, all of the departments. So think curriculum, testing, 
um, special education federal programs such as Title I, II, III, and IV, um, all of those things that are administered at the state, federal, and local level, the Department of Education leads, administers, manages, and the state school superintendent leads the Department of Education. Um, the state superintendent is also the ex officio member of the State Board of Education. Now, the State Board of Education, of course, is a group of individuals that, is, that are appointed by the governor. Um, so there are 14 of them, since there are 14 congressional districts in the state. And those individuals are responsible for passing policies uh, that the school districts across the state are responsible for implementing. So as you all may remember, I'm a former state legislator. So when I passed education-related laws as a state legislator, my next step was then to go to the Department of Education, work with the state superintendent and the state board of education to pass the rules or the policies that the state, that all the school districts would have to follow based on what that law says. And so the role of the state superintendent is extremely important uh, because it's a policy job. Um, it is, that person is responsible for, of course, a good one would be responsible for working with the legislature, having a good relationship with the governor, working with that state board of education to make sure that as laws are being passed, they make sense. Um, and that uh, as they are passed, that they are giving guidance to those school districts so that they will implement them effectively. And then finally, I think one of the biggest pieces that although is not in our state's constitution is one of the most critical roles of the state superintendent and that's to be the champion for public education in our state. And so that means a number of things, standing up for students, standing up for educators, uh, making sure that parents have a voice and feel empowered in our education system, working with other stakeholders who care about public education and ultimately what our mission is um, as a state. And so it's a big job. And I believe that the state school superintendent should really be the leader, the visionary of all things public education in Georgia. Okay, and as you talk about policy, thank you very much for that comprehensive exp uh, explanation. Uh, as you think about policy, the first thing that clicked in my head was um, the number of students, uh, frankly, many times students of color uh, who feel like the policies that are in place put them at a disadvantage. Um, how is it that if elected, you would use this office to improve the quality of life for Georgians in general, and then also students of, of color? Sure. And I pause just, you know, I, I like to be thoughtful about my responses. I think you raised such an important question about students of color. And I would add to that, you know, there are other students, right? When we think about students in rural areas, um, there are a number of demographics, if you will, of students who I think have been left behind um, for a number of reasons. So one of the things that I wanna do first is establish the Office of Equity. And in that office, uh, that team will be responsible for looking at um, the practices of school districts in terms of facilities, in terms of resources and how they are distributed across their district, looking at the quality of 
teachers, the quality of their leaders, what kinds of programs they have access to. Because if you think about it, who leads your district and perhaps your zip code um, is a stronger determinant of the quality of education that you're going to get. Uh, and that should be unacceptable in our state. And so specifically, in addition to having that office of equity, I think working to make sure that we have a curriculum, whether it's English language arts, math, social studies, science, uh, even some of our more elective courses that are reflective of the students that we serve. More than 53% of Georgia's students in our public schools are black and brown, but I don't think our curriculum reflects that. It does not embrace uh, who they are, um, their contributions as communities to Georgia and to this world. And so I think looking at curriculum is important, making sure that resources are distributed in a way that meets the needs of students and not specifically school districts, or again, you know, what part of town they live in, but really looking at individual students. So some of that means revamping our funding formula, um, which has not been updated since the 80s. Uh, as in 1980s. And so we've got some work to do to really rethink how we fund schools, how we fund education, specifically how we fund students. So it's that Office of Equity, it's looking at resources, it's curriculum, uh, it's a number of things. And then the final thing I will say, I believe that when you do what's best um, for quote unquote, the least of these. And when I say the least of these, I am speaking about those who have been left out or left behind. I believe that it will lift all boats. And so my job, of course, as state school superintendent is to make sure that all of our kids are served. Uh, and certainly, sadly, those who have been left behind the most are those um, who are poor, who are students of color and students who live in rural areas. And so we've got a lot of work to do to address all of those needs. And as you talk about those very daunting challenges and we think about how difficult it is to run for a statewide office, uh, what is it that led you to seek this office? So I served 12 years in the House of Representatives and what a great honor that was and did a lot of, I think, really important work and transformative in many ways, in, in, including in education. Um, but the truth is, I hate politics. Um, I ran unsuccessfully for state school superintendent in 2014, and it was a very bruising race for me because I, I find that, you know, the higher you go in politics, the more ugly it gets. And so I spent the last eight years of my life happily out of politics. I voted, and that was the extent of my involvement. But as a mom of three school-aged children, I'm married to a retired state trooper, um, and together we have three children in our, our little blended family. Um, when I look at what's happening with their education, thinking about what's happening with students across the state, um, certainly May 24th, which was the day of the primary, but also the day of the Uvalde shooting, um, something changed for me even then uh, on May 25th when my daughter came home from school and my husband and I sat with her at the kitchen table to talk about how she was feeling because we have to talk to our kids when they are experiencing this trauma, even if not directly. And so she sat down and, you know, talked about the day and you know how kids are doing, where they sang. 
And she said something to me that I'll never forget. She said, yeah, we're all talking about it, but we know nobody's going to do anything. Um, And that really hurt me to hear my child talk about how kids feel that just nobody's going to do anything to keep them safe. And so my running for this seat is about my passion for education, passion for children. It is about wanting to change the life trajectory for children because I know having a great education can do that. And I realized that my passion and desire and calling on my life is much greater than my dislike for politics. And so I'm running for state school superintendent because I need my 15 year old to know that there is a state school superintendent who will do something, do something to keep her safe in school, as well as my other two babies, as well as the 1.8 million students who go to our schools every single day. I want teachers to know that they don't have to keep being burnt out. Um, That although we've had a state school superintendent who's been in this job for almost eight years, nothing has been done to address teacher burnout. And so teachers deserve to have a state superintendent who will do something. Uh, And so there are a lot of issues that we face in our public education system. Um, A lot of constituencies who want to see things done from how we address the reading proficiency uh, crisis that we are facing where more than 50% of our students uh, at the third and fourth grade levels are not reading proficiently. We have a broken special education system. Uh, And then we're also trying to still deliver a telegram education to a TikTok generation. And so having a state school superintendent who is an experienced superintendent, who's an experienced state legislator, who's a parent of three school-age children living and breathing these experiences every single day, I have the background, the experience, the vision to match the moment. Thank you for that. And as we prepare to close, can you tell us how people can learn more about Alicia Thomas Searcy and her candidacy for state school superintendent here in Georgia? Yes, I love that question because this is not just a campaign. And what I want people to know is that, yes, the gubernatorial race is on the ballot. And yes, U.S. Senate is on the ballot. But what's also on the ballot is the future of our state in terms of public education. And so if you want things to stay the same and you think everything's great for all of our kids, no big deal. But if you know that things need to change in our education system, you not only have to vote and vote for me, but you got to get involved. And so this is not just a campaign. This is a movement to change our education system, to deliver a system that is meaningful to all of our students. And so to get involved, to get in touch with me, my website is searcyforsuperintendent.com, S-E-A-R-C-Y, for superintendent.com. We're also on social media. So Facebook, Searcy for Superintendent, um, IG, Searcy for Super. We're on TikTok. Um, And then, of course, we need volunteers and we need your money. So donate, you know, $5, $500, $5,000. All of it will help us to reach voters and make sure people turn out and vote from the top of the ticket to the bottom of the ticket, because all of these races are important. And if you are a mama or a daddy like me, if you are an educator like me, if you just care about the future of our education system, education is the most important thing on the ballot. And we've got to get fired up about it and start voting in October and, of course, on Election Day, November 8th. 
Thank you so much for, again, being a guest on Local Matters. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Local Matters family, today we have one of the candidates who is running for the Office of Georgia Secretary of State. Uh, he is running on the Libertarian ticket, and I will ask him to introduce himself to you. Hello, Atlanta and surrounding Georgians. My name is Ted Metz. I am running for the Secretary of State on the Libertarian Party ticket. Um, that's my introduction. I am the least regrettable candidate for Secretary of State, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. All right. And can you tell us just what is a libertarian? You know, everybody's familiar with Democrats and Republicans. Tell me a little bit more about the Libertarian Party and why you chose to run on that ticket. All right. The Libertarian Party was actually founded in 1972 pretty much for equal rights. Uh, they actually were the, like some of the, the first party actually organized for, for the rights of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, essentially, the founders of the Libertarian Party looked at the other parties and said, nobody's really upholding the, the rule of law. Nobody's out for in maintaining rule of law for the individual and individual rights. They're all, both parties were in the 70s, you know, all about Vietnam and feeding the military and industrial complex. So essentially, they were the first anti-war gay rights party ever founded. Now, why I was attracted to the Libertarian Party is basically because of personal freedom. The government does not have the authority to inject themselves into so many different aspects of everyone's lives. And it seems like the federal government is really taking over control of the planet. So the Libertarian Party is most aligned with my personal values of freedom, you know, prosperity, leave me alone, don't tell me what to do, and don't take my stuff. We're anti-taxation you know, anti-government theft and, and anti-government monopoly on the use of force. So the whole thing is about non-aggression, doing things with volu voluntarily and by consent. That's what the libertarian is all about, voluntary and, and consensual relationships with people and with government. Okay. And as you say this, you're running for an office with a ton of rules and regulations. Secretary of State, you know, the legislature passes a bunch of laws and they change them, seems like frequently. And then it's the job of the Secretary of State to implement whatever it is that the legislature has approved. So as you think about that, how would you act if you were success, are successful in winning this office? Tell me, you know, what led you to run for and how you would go about the job knowing that there's so many rules and restrictions. It seems like lack of freedom associated with that role. All right. Well, let me, let me start out by, by explaining the, the role of the secretary of the state is really is kind of like the yeoman or the secretary of any company that keeps the records of everything that the government does from drawing new district maps to uh, writing up legislation, to making sure that the legislation is actually published to the public and some other functions. But, on top of that, they are supposed to record the votes in an election. 
all they really do is enforce or comply with the law that the legislature passes. Both federal and state constitutions say that the voting and election laws shall be passed by the legislature. So unfortunately, our current Secretary of State sort of took a lot of things into his own hands and did things outside of the legislative process that did seem to have an effect on our elections. But if I am elected, when I'm elected as a Secretary of State, I'll make sure that our laws are upheld to maintain free, equal access to to the ballot boxes and making sure that our elections are fair, transparent, and auditable. You know, we need to be able to look back at our at our elections forensically to make sure that the person that a voter voted for is actually the person that got the vote. It's a totally nonpartisan issue. It's about equality and fairness. Okay. And as you think about uh, what led you to run and then also some of your greatest accomplishments in your public life, what would you consider some of those to be? Well, let's answer the why, I, why I'm running for this first and foremost. I actually started with a guy named Garland Favorito who founded Voters Organized for Trusted Election Results in Georgia like 15 years ago. And for the last 10 years, I've been following around, following him around filming his presentations on all the um, problems with the electronic voting system, especially in that there's no, in the old system, there's no electronic record was the only thing we got, a database entry of somebody's vote that could be hacked and manipulated. And there's no paper trail. There is no way to actually forensically audit an election to see who actually won or who actually lost. So that's when I got in. It was, was eight, eight or nine years ago. And I have been advocating for paper ballots, counted paper ballots by human people at the precinct level so that we actually know that there's no electronics involved so that nothing can be manipulated or changed in a database or, or hacked or anything like that. So that's, that's why I'm running for this particular office. And I would say that one of my greatest accomplishments of public life, I think, are two. First and foremost, I have, I have encouraged so many people to actually start showing up at, at committee hearings, at, at local government hearings, at, at school board hearings. And I hear, see people all the time who said, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't seen you do it first. So I think that's one of my greatest accomplishments is getting other people to actually be involved in trying to get government to um, ab abide by what the people want, not what they're, not what the campaign donors want from the legislators. My second greatest accomplishment since I've been running was during my gubernatorial campaign in 2018. One of my biggest campaign platforms was ending sovereign immunity so that people could actually sue the state when the state did something wrong. That was passed as, as a bill and it went into effect at the end of 2019. So those are two big things that I think I can claim credit for in my life. Okay, very good. And now, how would you use this office if elected to improve the quality of life for Georgians? There are several different things. One of the things, like I said, voting should be a nonpartisan issue. And one thing that we've been advocating for for about 10 years, and we actually have a, a case before the Supreme Court to open ballot access to anybody that wants to run. Right now, in order to get on the ballot, for almost any statewide or U.S. election, you have to petition and get 5% of the registered voters in that district for that position to sign a petition saying that, they, that you're okay to run. 
And the problem with that is in most runs, like for U.S. Congress, it's 25 to 30,000 signatures, which is an impossible hurdle to get. If you're independent or third party, you can't get on the ballot. So what we're stuck with is a two-party system who doesn't have to petition. They just say, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican, and they pay a fee and they get on the ballot. The problem with that is the limitation of, of voices heard within our government. We have you know, one side fighting another side over stuff that the people don't want in the first place. There's no third voice in government. There's no fourth voice in government. So unrestricting ballot access is one of my biggest fights. My second biggest fight in, in all of this has to do with making sure that our elections are free, fair, and accountable. And my third thing and fourth is basically looking at occupational licensing because some occupational licensing, there's really no call, call for it. Like if you can braid hair, do you need a license to the, for that? Do you have to have training? Do you have to go and take a test? Do you have to pay a fee every year? So occupational licensing is a, is a balance between public safety and actual need. And then there's the whole business registration system. You know, every, every business in Georgia has to get licensed, a business license through the state of Georgia. And it's so easy to license. I think there's a lot of fraud going on in there. And I would like to take a look at and see how that's working out. And the fourth most important thing right now, actually, is kind of like at the top priority, is that our voter registration database has been put on the cloud under a company that used to like be affiliated with Salesforce. And if you know anything about computing or anything about the internet, anything on the internet can get hacked. Our voter registration database is not secure. And that's that's one of the one one thing that we need to really maintain control over is making sure that third parties don't have control of our voters registration database because we can't really keep track of who's moved out of state or who's died or you know who's who's registered to vote recently and who's you know all that sort of thing who's who's legal to vote right now there's a, a push in washington to allow all of the illegal immigrants that are here and i'm saying people that have come here unlawfully i'm not talking about legal migrants i'm talking about actual you know the southern invasion people they're going to be enabled to vote in the 2022 election due to an executive order that was just put out. And I don't think it's fair for anyone to not have earned their vote and let other people vote where they have not met the basic criterion of being a U.S. citizen to vote. So that's that's another fight. I'll shut up now before I dig myself <laughs> a hole so deep. We, we only have a couple more seconds. Could you please uh, let our listeners know where they can learn more about you? All right. I'm, I am on all the social media channels under just Ted Metz. You can, you can use your favorite search engine and search for Ted Metz, T-E-D-M-E-T-Z, or you can go to my website, which is tedmetz.com. I am really kind of easy to find, even though social media and the tech giants suppress my information because they don't want libertarians, you know, changing their, their, their propaganda dialogue. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for being a guest on Local Matters. And thank you so much for having me, Janice. I appreciate it. Local Matters family, get out, vote, and don't forget to take that photo ID with you. Blessings. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.
This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.